strong, Jared. Thank you so much. Wow. And viewers are going up now. So I'm excited about this message this morning. I, I, I'm looking forward to digging in as we continue our series through Hebrews. This morning, this morning we're going to, to begin to look at Abraham. And there is so much, there is so much about Abraham and his faith and the story of Abraham that it's going to take more than one week. And so this is, we're going to start today, Abraham part one. I cannot wait to dig dig in. You got your Bible. Go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And um, let's just start reading. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Sometimes when I read that, I see Willy Wonka in my head. Do not know where we're going, right? By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. James chapter 2, verse 23 says this, And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. Genesis 12, 1 says this, The Lord said to Abram, because he had not yet changed his name from Abram to Abraham, the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll bless the word today, that you would speak, and that you would do mighty things in our midst through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you guys, if anybody's even looks at my social media, but a couple weeks ago, I posted a picture of a towel that said, man of God, and um, I need a towel this morning. Um, it is, it, I am, I am burning up. When God called Abram, I, I don't want the towel that says man of God, so may, maybe, maybe I, go Vols, we'll do that, that'd be fun. When God called Abraham, he was in a city in Babylonia, right? Is, do y'all know where Babylonia is? Modern day Iraq. All right. He was in a city of modern day Iraq. It was called Ur of the Chaldees. Ur was a very advanced city and it was believed to have been founded uh, probably about 500 years or so before the time of Abraham. Ur could be compared to a modern city because it had libraries, it had, it had a school system, it had a system of law. It was a very rich city. Uh, it, was, it was full of, of treasure that had been discovered since its, its fall, including elaborate jewelry, right? Ur was consecrated to the worship of the Babylonian moon god, Sin. This false religion of, of astrology was begun at Babel and was practiced there in the land of, of Babylonia. Abraham's father, his name was Terah, And according to Joshua chapter 24, verse 2, Terah, Abraham's father, was an idol worshiper. He worshiped idols. 
Jewish tradition actually says that Abraham's father, Terah, was actually an idol maker. That that was his, his living. He made his living by, by fashioning idols out of, out of stone or out of, out of, out of uh, uh, jewels. And they would worship these, these idols. Ur was also, as we can just tell, it was an idolatrous city. They worshipped many gods, not just the, the, not just the god Sin, but the god of fire. They worshipped the moon, they worshipped the sun, they worshipped the stars. But their chief idol deity was Sin. Now, Sin had a wife in, in their astrology, in their idol worship. And Sin's wife's name was Ningal. And so Ningal was worshipped as the mother god in many of their worship practices and in many of their cities. So Ur, the city of Ur, was an evil, sinful, wicked city. And we see that in their worship practices of the moon goddess, Ningal. Every female in the city of Ur, at some time in her life, would have to take her turn serving as a priestess prostitute in the temple. It was in this city of idolatry, false gods and goddess worship, sexual sin, and abuse, that God speaks to a man named Abram. Abram was a friend of God living in the land of the enemy. And I believe that what God is calling and seeking out today is friends of God who he can call even in the land of the enemy. Even in lands of wickedness and idolatry and sexual sin and sexual abuse, where God is looking for people who will stand up and follow a different path. So Ur was a land of wickedness, all kinds of evil. We've talked about it, sexual sin, idol worship, consulting false gods. It was a wicked country. The whole area was corrupt. We, we think that, that, that our country is bad, right? Well, I know many, many do. Many, many, we see it all over social media every day, posts on how, how bad everything is. Well, this area that, that Ur was in would soon see the destruction of two of its cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, because of their pride, their selfishness, their unjust behavior, their, their arrogance, their gluttony, and their sexual immorality. I know sometimes we focus on the sexual immorality when we look at Sodom and Gomorrah's destruction, but if you look through the prophets, you'll discover that sexual immorality was, was just part of the reason that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. And it's not, even, it's not even mentioned by the prophets when he mentions the reason. 
Ezra says this. He says, now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. I'm about to preach a different sermon. They did not help the poor and the needy, so they were haughty and did detestable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them as you have seen. This is what the prophet said. This is God speaking through the prophet. Now, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. We within the church today, we get all focused on certain sins, and we forget the sins that affect us. We forget the sins of the church, and we focus on the sins of the world. God destroyed Sodom, not just because of detestable things that they did, but he starts it off and he says, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. They were haughty, prideful, thought they were better than everybody else, and did detestable things in my sight. Therefore, I did away with them as you have seen. When we get back to the Bible, we discover that all of our ideologies and constructs fall short of God's standard. I'm preaching a different sermon, and I'll get back to my real sermon, but I'm going to stop here for a second. Because I get tired. I get tired of us putting the gospel in one ideological camp when the scripture is so much bigger than politics and policies and who we vote for and how we vote and which team we assign ourselves to. You cannot read scripture and be happy with any political party in our country. You cannot read Scripture and be happy with the way we're headed and the way we have been, been since our founding. Why? Because the Bible is better than what we see here. The kingdom is better than what we see here. God's path and God's plans are better than what we see here. If it wasn't better, God wouldn't even worry about it. But God's ways and God's plans and God's kingdom is better than what we see. That's why we long for the kingdom of God to come in power and authority. Because the kingdom is better than what we have. The land was a terrible land. Back to your regularly scheduled sermon. The land was a terrible land. What is amazing to me is that God called to Abram in this land, and Abram actually heard him.
that God spoke to Abraham in a land of wickedness and idolatry and sin, and Abram heard him. You would think sometimes being so surrounded by sin and so entrenched in sin, his own dad was an idol maker. You would think that it would be hard, but the voice of God is clear. It not only amazes me that Abraham heard God, it amazes me that God was still willing to speak to Abraham in the midst of a city and a people so wicked. God is always willing and calling and shouting out to to people in the midst of the sin and in the midst of the heartache and in the midst of the trial and in the midst of the idolatry. And God is calling to folks in the middle of it, saying there's a better way, there's a better way, there's a better way. Follow me. Then you know what that tells me, church? That tells me that in an age where the church, the church is running further and further away from Christ, God is still calling out to the church. It tells me that it's not hopeless, that all is not lost, that The spiritual war is not over, that the battle will be won. The fact that God spoke to Abraham in a place so far from God lets me know that God is almighty and that none compares to his goodness and his mercy and his grace and his faithfulness. There is no one like our God. It lets me know that we can trust in the fact that just as God called to Abraham out of darkness, God is calling to us in the midst of darkness, and he's calling us out of darkness into his marvelous light. God is calling us. There is hope. We have a mighty Savior. Jesus is his name. And just like God called Abraham out of sin and out of hopelessness and out of what would be his destiny had he stayed in earth. As God called him out of selfishness and out of out of selfishness and out of the demonic influence of the age, God is calling us out of the spirit of the age. Not to listen to the spirit of the age. He's calling us to peace and to joy and to hope and to love and to salvation. He is calling us. Before God called Abraham, all he had were idols. Before God called Abraham, all he had was sin. Before God called Abraham, all he had was a pagan faith of his father. Before God called Abraham, all he had was man-made religion and demon-led worship. Before God called Abraham, Abraham was hopeless. 
But glory be to God. God called Abraham. And because God called Abraham, church, you and I are sons and daughters of Abraham according to the promise of God through Christ Jesus. We are heirs of God through the promise because Abraham listened when God called. We have hope, church. I'm preaching better than y'all are shouting. Y'all should be running the aisles this morning. I'm serious. Let's do it. Let's go. Everybody just sit there. God called Abraham out of his country to a land of promise. Abraham was called to a, to a city whose builder and maker, whose founder and architect was God. A land of peace, a land that will be under the rule of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because Abraham was willing to leave his country, his surroundings, because he was willing to leave everything he knew, God had a promise for him. It's not easy to leave everything you know. It's not easy to leave your family and your friends and your job. It's not easy to leave your parents. It's not easy to leave your city. It's not easy to live, leave where you are from. But Abraham left because he heard God. It would not be easy for Abraham in his travel. It would not be easy for Abraham as in his obedience. But because he heard God, he said, I've just got to go. I've got to leave my friends and my family. I've got to leave my, my, my job. I've got to leave my city. I've got to leave everything behind because God is calling me to a better land. God is calling his people to a better land. God is calling his people to a better city. A new city, a different city, a better city, a holy city, a city of justice, a city of peace, a city of wholeness, a city of love, a city of healing. Y'all feel free to shout and jump whenever you're ready. A city without sorrow or sadness, a city without hatred, a city without racism, a city without fear, a city without depression, a city of reconciliation, a city of new identity, a city of unity, a city of light where there's no darkness, no abuse, no cancer, no disease, no oppression, no, no banners of injustice. His city is the city of love, a city built by God with Christ Jesus on the throne of the kingdom, a city without gun violence, a city without thieves and robbers, a city without sexual confusion, a city without poverty, a city without deception, a city without trauma, a city without war, a city without divorce and the things that lead to divorce, a city of hope, a city built on the character of God himself. The foundation of the city is the righteousness of God. It's a city ruled with goodness and mercy, a good city, an eternal eternal city. God is calling us to the city built by God himself. Here we see where he lives. It's a city of, of wickedness, but God says, no, I've got a better land for you. God sees the sickness of the world. God sees the wickedness of our culture, and he invites us to journey through this wilderness to the city of our God, the holy Mount Zion that comes from heaven. And he welcomes us and he throws a party for us and he sings over us. He's calling us out of the land ruled by sin and into the city not made by man. 
when man builds a city, if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. When man builds a city, you can expect trouble. When man builds a city, you can expect things to grow wrong. You can expect abuses and misuses. When man builds a city, when man builds a church, when man builds a, 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 a nation, when ba- man builds a government, when man builds a system, when man builds structures, you can expect things to go wrong. But not when God built it. When man builds, expect trouble and misuses and brokenness. It doesn't matter what it is. Because we believe, we believe in sin, right? We believe that sin's a big deal, right? Sin's a problem. Sin infects everything it touches, right? So if man builds it, and he's not building it on the foundations of God, and even if he does build it on the foundations of God, sometimes, even when things are built on the foundations of God, we begin to follow a different architect. When man builds a city or a system or a structure, you can expect trouble. You can expect things to go wrong. You can expect abuse and misuse. But when God builds a city, (laughs) I said, but when God builds a city, and when God offers and extends the blessings of citizenship into his city, you can trust that the city built by God will never bring brokenness. It will never fail because its king will never fail. So in order for us to find this better land, in order for Abraham to reach this better land, he had to be willing to leave some things behind. Church, be willing to leave behind your idols. Do you hear me? Be willing to leave behind your idols. Like Abraham, we must be willing to leave this temporary home for a world without We must be willing to leave the land, the country that we know for the land and the country that we want to follow. So I would ask you this morning, the challenge that that Abraham was faced with, I believe is the challenge that we are all faced with. Are we willing to leave behind the comforts of this world and this world's systems for the promise of this new Abraham was willing to leave his idols, and he was, this is important, Abraham was willing to leave behind his idols, and he was willing to leave behind the idols passed down by his father. His dad was an idol maker. It was what he knew. I'm sure he watched his dad as his dad fashioned those idols, as he would melt the metal, that he would pour it and form it. I'm sure he watched his father as his dad would would take those idols, those 
chunks of rock or metal and form them and make them into an image and, and sell it. I'm sure that, that he watched his dad as his dad prayed over those idols and prayed to those idols. It was what he knew. It was what he saw. It was how he lived. He knew how to be an idol worshiper. He knew how to be an idol maker because it's what was passed down to him. We must be willing not just to leave the idols that we have. We must be willing to leave the idols of our forefathers and our fathers. Just because it's tradition doesn't make it good. Just because it's heritage doesn't make it holy. We must be willing to leave the idols that we know and the idols of our forefathers if we're going to reach the land of promise. And if we're going to show the land and bring anyone along with us. Are you willing Are you willing to trade the idols you worship and worship the one true king? Idols are anything you worship that, self, that sets itself up against the knowledge and nature of Christ in our lives. For some, here's some idols, church. Maybe, and some of these are idols that are passed down from our forefathers. Some of these are idols that we have clinged to ourselves. For some of us, money is an idol. For some of us, position is an idol. For some of us, power is an idol. For some of us, sex is an idol. For some of us, acceptance is an idol. For some of us, our skin tone is an idol. For some, comfort is an idol. For some, their rights are an idol. For some, their politics are an idol. For some, their ideologies are an idol. We must be willing to leave our idols and the idols passed down from our fathers if we're to reach the city built by God. And if we will lay down our idols at the feet of King Jesus, for some... It's going to get real now. For some, our idols are our hurts. Those things that we've been done wrong against. And we begin to worship the hurt to the point where we don't want healing. If we will lay down our idols at the feet of King Jesus, we can then experience all the blessings and the promises of that holy city, the heavenly kingdom. And so, God, we cry, thy kingdom come. That's not just something we say at the end of a service, just to have a way to say bye, y'all. It is the heart cry of what I believe the church should be. Your kingdom come. 
Surrender your idols, church, and your ideologies at the feet of Jesus. Take up your cross and follow the way of Jesus. And here's what we do when we hear this. Your idols and your ideologies always think of somebody else. Oh, they need to they need to lay that down. That ideology that they have, they need to lay it down. That's a, that idol they have, they should lay that down. It's not until we say, God, I'm going to lay down my idols and my ideologies, and I'm going to read your word and see what you have to say about the situation. Because far too often, that's how I feel, far too often, the church sides with the world, but claims the truth. And it happens on across every ideology. But what happens is we, we only think the other side is wrong. It's not until we let the Spirit shake us. And we stop looking at who's right and who's wrong and we begin to look for the King of kings and the Lord of lords that we will wake up to. I just got a lot of frustration I feel like I need to let out. must be willing to leave our idols and our ideologies, lay them at the foot of Jesus, and then follow the way of Jesus. His way is better. Believe me, church. Believe me. His way is better. Stop looking at the world and stop looking at people through a political lens and look through to Jesus. It's so much better. Because we really see just how broken we are and how much we need We've got to be willing to leave behind the land. We've also got to be leading to leave behind not just the land and our idols. We've got to be willing to leave behind the people that worship idols and construct idols. A couple of those idols, your people and your past. Abraham left behind his people. He left behind his, his homies. And God made a promise to Abraham. God said, I will bless you. I will bring deliverance through you. See, God doesn't just make promises to Abraham. 
God has made promises to you. Do you believe that? God has made promises to you. Look at your neighbor. I know we're not supposed to do this. Preacher, this is no one thing preacher ain't supposed to do. Let's do it anyway. Look at your neighbor and say, God has made promises to you. Go ahead. Now just tell yourself, God has made a promise to me. Go ahead. God says, I have purpose for you. I have promise for you. I have a calling for you. I will bless your home. I will use you to spread my name. I will, I will save your family. I will heal your brokenness. God has a plan and a promise for you. But if you are going to reach the promise, you must be willing to be like Abraham and leave behind the idols of your people and the idols of your past. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs warns us about the company we keep. He says, bad company corrupts good character. Some of you are too afraid of what people will say about you when you stop hanging out with those folks that keep putting their idols in front of you. They keep laying down their idols right in front of you. You keep going, hanging out with those people. You keep worshiping their idols. You're afraid that if you stop worshiping your, their idols, you're, they're not going to want to hang out with you anymore. Maybe they need to follow you instead of you follow them. Maybe you don't want to be known as that crazy Christian, the one who misses out on the parties. You don't want to put living the life that you have been living. You cannot get to the promised land if you stay in the land of idolatry. You have to leave the idolatry to get to the God who created you. we got to be willing to leave those idol followers. got to be willing. Some of you maybe even come from families who aren't Christians. Probably many of you. Maybe some of you come from families that your parents were alcoholics or that they were sexually sinning or they're rebellious or their, their marriage fell apart. I want to tell you, God is calling you to out, of, out of that. You don't have to be that. You don't have to be your parents. You don't have to follow their brokenness. I believe that God is calling some of you out of a family history of brokenness so that you can become part of his family and that good future. God wants to adopt you. God wants to call you a son or a daughter. God is, God is calling you to walk out onto your own to follow you. Last point this morning is this. Where will you go? Where will you go? Not only did God follow Abraham, not only, did, not only did God call Abraham to leave, not only did God speak to Abraham and said, hey, I've got a place for you, I've got a land for you, it's different than what you've experienced, it's different than what you've come from. Not only did God call Abraham to leave, Abraham This morning, God is speaking to 
people in this room. Will you answer? Some of you are are doing things and living. I'm still I'm just preaching, right? Some of you are living in ways that you know are contrary to God's word. Are you going to stop? Are you going to follow what God says to do? Are you willing to go? Because when you go, it's better than where you've been. Stop making excuses. I don't know how much more plain I can be today. not enough to say, well, at least I'm not as bad as those people. It's, it's not enough to say, well, at least I'm not like those wicked people of Ur. At least I'm not down with the people of Sodom. If you're not willing to follow God when God is clearly speaking and calling you to leave the land of sin and idolatry where you are, all of your good deeds are wasted. It's time to follow him. Not just in the comfortable places, but when it means giving up or doing something that is hard, but is right and is holy and is good. Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, that he called the crowd along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If you're going to receive your promise, remember we looked at our neighbor all ago and said, God has a promise, Right? If you're going to receive your promise, you must follow God. So go ahead and turn your neighbor and say, you've got to follow God. You've got to follow God. Follow God. It amazes me, church, that Abraham went. Because I can understand him not wanting to be like his country. I can get that. I can understand him not wanting to be like his people. I can understand him not wanting to be like his family. But it amazes me that God said, go. And Abraham said, where? And God said, I'll tell you when you get there. It amazes me that Abraham packed up his things and went somewhere, even though he didn't know where he was going. Listen, church, here's what you can know this morning. You can know where you're going. You can know you're going to a city whose builder and maker is God. You're going to walk in freedom and in peace and in joy. You're going to walk in salvation and deliverance. You're going to live a life that is pleasing to God. You can know where you're going. You've just got to be. We've just got to be. I've just got to be willing to say, okay, God, I'll leave that idolatry. I'll leave that sin. I'll leave that ideology. God says follow. God has the map. We just need to follow him. Abraham 
scripture says it, Jared, you can come on up. Abraham was a friend of God. He followed God even when it didn't make sense. Here's what happened. Abraham stumbled, if you read the story of Abraham. Abraham stumbled. Abraham did not always do the thing he was supposed to do, even on his journey to where he was going. Abraham stumbled. He stumbled a lot. He tried to take things and control things that God was already working. And God said, if you would just chill out a little bit, I got this. God had a covenant with Abraham. God was leading Abraham. Abraham stumbled, and Abraham often went off the map. But God, God, God always corrected his course. Hear me, church, this morning. This morning, this message is not a call. defeat. It's a call to get back on the course. If you're out in the yard, right, your kids are playing in the yard. Your kid starts to run out into the street. child is heading headlong into danger you don't you you get off the couch and you holler at your kid and you say come here now this passion that I feel this morning I feel like a dad trying to save some folks in the street. Abraham stumbled. Abraham often went off the map, but God always corrected his course. I feel like perhaps the Lord has placed it in me this morning to try to bring some course corrections into some lives this morning. Because I love you. Because God loves you. And God has a good land waiting for you. God knew that there was a better land and God knew that Abraham could not get there on his own. So God kept guiding and kept leading and kept speaking. And this morning there is a good land for you. Don't get off course. Don't let the idols 
and the ideologies and the gods of this age and convenience and sin prevent you from following what God has good in your life. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for your word. I pray now, Lord. I pray now, Lord, that you would speak into the things that I didn't say. Because I believe that, God, that you're speaking to, 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 to many in this room. God, my job and our job and, and the body's job this morning is not to say, okay, I think God's speaking to that person. God, that was really for them. Because when that's, when that's our mentality, we miss that you are speaking to us. When I'm looking for the other person you're speaking to, I'm missing out on your voice into me. close let's search our hearts and let's say okay God that idol that ideology that convenience that sin that thing that's keeping me from walking in obedience to your will and your word God I lay it down God, I lay it down. God, I lay it down. We're going to take a moment now. If you just want to come and pray, if you want someone to come pray with you, let's just say this, this altar space is open right now. God has spoken into your heart today. And you just want to spend some time talking to him, confessing and hearing him. We're going to take a moment. We're going to take a moment. In death and life I'm confident covered by the power of your My death is paid. Yes, it is. There's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love in death. In, in death, life. in life, I'm confident, covered by the power of your great Separate 
God of heaven. Thank you.